you know, we're 2,000 miles from the border in Tennessee, but it's like all states are becoming border states. Hello, everybody. I'm Brandon Lewis with the Tennessee Conservative, and I am joined by Scott Desjardins, who is the congressman for Tennessee's 4th District. Uh, you probably know him as that, but I know him as a father, husband, and a friend. And Scott left a very comfortable medical practice uh, because he thought things in the country weren't going the right way, and he flipped a seat. Uh, and I was happy to be a small part of that. And uh, the thing that I like about Scott the most is that when there is a vote on the floor of the House or in a committee, and if he has to choose between prestige and power uh, or voting with his district, he picks his district. And if we had all of our Republicans doing that, we would not be in the mess that we are in. And Scott earned his degrees in chemistry and psychology uh, and a doctorate of medicine from the University of South Dakota, which has done very well during the pandemic, I might add. Uh, he and his wife, Amy, have three children uh, which aren't so little anymore, Tyler, Ryan, and Maggie. And the Desjardins family attends Epiphany Episcopal Church in Sherwood, Tennessee, where Amy grew up. Scott, buddy, it's a pleasure to have you here. Hey, it's great to see you. And I always thought that uh, you had such a great political mind and wise beyond your years, but now I see that gray beard there. And I, maybe maybe you're not, not so young anymore, but uh, no, it's, it's great to catch up and uh, really proud of the work you're doing there with the Tennessee Conservative. Uh, we, we need more people like you doing that. Well, we're outnumbered 80 to 1 in the state of Tennessee for a conservative news outlet. And you and I got to see how very fair and even-handed and balanced the Tennessee press is and how much they love conservatives when you ran. Yeah, I, I, uh, certainly an eye-opener. You're right, medicine was comfortable. Politics has never been comfortable. And uh, it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. Well, Miss Alex told me you got trains to catch, and so I've got to I got to make sure that we run this on time. But before we do, I want to tell everybody how Congressman Desjardins saved my life. So we're riding back from an an event. Uh, it's late in the evening. I don't even remember where we were, and I was driving. So driving Miss Daisy, uh, you know, and so I'm driving Scott, and we come back to his house, and he he can probably tell that I'm not feeling my best. I'm usually pretty chipper. And uh, I said, something is wrong with me. So I don't feel good. I said, something's going on down here. I don't know what it is. And it just, I, I described all the symptoms. And Scott says, well, we'll come inside. And I went inside. He said, well, take your shirt off and lay down. Now, typically, it, when somebody in Washington, D.C. tells you to take your shirt off and lay down, it's not going to end well. And I thought, well, Scott's pretty, he's an attractive fellow. I'll only do this once, but only for power and influence. And I, so I lay down and he starts tapping around. He starts asking me questions. And he says, you need to have your appendix out and you need to have it out tomorrow. And I will schedule the surgery and I'll put you with the doctor that you need. And you can have an MRI if you want to, if it makes you feel any better, but you've got to have this thing out tomorrow. And of course, you know, this is all pretty sudden. I just thought like maybe I had something wrong with my stomach or maybe some kind of inflammation and sure enough, I go in the next morning, I have my MRI and I have my appendix out. And if that puppy had blown up on me, uh, I may not have made it, but they at minimum, they would have had to cut me from stem to stern and that would not have been fun. So Scott, thank you for helping me avoid that. Yeah, well, uh, you're a little stubborn and and uh, <laughs> as most people are, but uh, I don't know if I saved your life, but I probably saved you a, a 
from a tough week in the hospital, and when they rupture, it, it, it gets messy, as you can imagine. So, uh, yeah, I'd almost forgotten about that story. So, well, I didn't. I didn't. Times. I've got the I've got the scars to prove it. They're a lot smaller than they would have been. So, um, thank you very much. Well, as you know, this is kind of what you're here for. Um, the Tennessee Conservative broke the story about the covert migrant detention center here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and the liberal press ignored it for days. And because they didn't want it to be true. And they're like, well, you don't have any proof. I'm like, well, the organization does this for a living. They're hiring 50 to 70 people. The, the government agency they've directed me to does this for a living. Uh, we have pictures of, of, of young male uh, men about to be adults, which is primarily who we have discovered are housed in these units. It's, it's never the little kids they put on the, on the cover of the New York Times. These are like about to be adult, uh, teen, teenage men primarily and preteen men. Um, and they wouldn't cover it. And even even now, uh, we can't get comments from the governor on if he authorized it or not, if if he's against it. Uh, we've, we've heard a few of your typical cookie cutter comments, but my question to you would be, uh, what what's going on with this story and what are you seeing? I know that, that you have been in hearings, just kind of share what you know, Scott. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was a, a great find by you, and, and you actually had uh, emailed me or texted me as soon as you uh, were going to break this, and so uh, I had the opportunity to to speak with Governor Lee, and it was one of the first questions. In fact, the only question I asked him that day, we have a delegation meeting with him uh, fairly frequently. A lot of it's been about COVID, and he was not aware of it when you were. Uh, he, he did say that... Uh, he thinks that the government is paying private entities to do this, but it was not something that the Tennessee government was involved in, according to him, when we spoke uh, shortly after you had talked to me. Now, I don't know if there's more of this uh, going on around Tennessee or not. I thought maybe you would have found a few more, being you'd already found one. But it is interesting that you bring up the point that these are all, you know, almost grown men, probably probably they're 16 to 18 on average and have been working for several years in the in their countries of origin so they're here looking for work but uh, you know, the Obama administration labeled them as dreamers and that, that's a nice fluffy uh, soft kind word uh, for people that are you know coming here to take American jobs and you know Biden made it clear that uh, you know he was going to fix the dreamer situation and you know, make sure that they could become citizens and wouldn't be deported. And that means that they're gonna get their aunts, their uncles and the, the chain migration that occurs. And so he sent a message to these countries that uh, you know, send your kids and we're seeing the results of that at the border. So it doesn't surprise me that the local media wouldn't cover that here, considering the national media won't cover the crisis at the border. Biden slipped up the other day and called it a crisis and his staff had to come and walk it back. Oh, it's not a crisis. But in March, uh, the, the numbers that crossed was like 71,000. It was the highest influx in 20 years. And most of these are kids. There's 20,000 kids in detention centers now, which is way above whatever occurred when, when Trump first took office. And of course, Trump was putting them in cages, but those were uh, facilities that the Obama and Biden administration had built. And so now they're designed to hold about 30 people, but they're putting three and 400 kids in each of them. And they're literally at about 1600% uh, capacity. And, and the real sticker there is that uh, a lot of them have COVID and, and they're even Dr. Fauci, the great Dr. Fauci, who I've had about all I can take of, 
um, said that they were violating their own CDC guidelines. I mean, clearly you can just take a look. A lot of them aren't wearing masks. They're crammed into these containers, if you will. And it's, it violates everything that we as American citizens are having to live by. And I'll, I'll go one worse. We have photos where they are taking families and putting them on U.S. airlines. Uh, you see pictures, they're holding little uh, manila envelopes with large bold type print on them. And so they have no photo ID. They're not getting COVID tested to my knowledge. They're being put on planes and flown around the country. So we have uh, ours, you know, we're 2000 miles from the border in Tennessee, but it's like all states are becoming border states. I see the Arizona governor just declared a state of emergency in Arizona because they're being so overwhelmed there by the influx uh, of immigrants and our officers are having to take care of the kids. And so drug uh, cartels are just bringing fentanyl in across the border at, at much higher rates. I think uh, there was a statistic I just looked at, but uh, when fentanyl comes into this country, Americans die, it's a very deadly drug. So I, again, just kind of, Coming back around to your question, it's like, yeah, the local media won't cover it, the national media won't cover cover it, and it almost seems like it's part of a plan. When you get the gov or the president of Mexico, the president of Guatemala, saying that this is Biden's fault because he is basically inviting people to come to the country, and the coyotes interpret this as we're going to take all the kids, so they're cutting deals, and this is, I mean, kids have like wristbands on with different colors that links them to whatever cartel is gonna get paid for bringing them here. And uh, you know, if you don't have a border, you don't have a country. This is absolutely true. And uh, you know, our own press and which, you know, like if a, if a cat falls out of a tree, they'll, I mean, they send cameras out there, right? And this is like a big story and it's related to current events and, and it has a huge impact of originally, uh, now they walk this back uh, our our local school board, which can happen anywhere in Tennessee, says that that to accept we need to be prepared to accept a large influx of migrant children into Tennessee schools. And right now in Tennessee schools, uh, before pre-pandemic, only one in three could read at grade level. Now it's even worse. And uh, and sadly, you know, a lot of that deficiency was not because of not because of the pandemic, but rather how leaders uh, put these kids in a compromising compromised situation and also, you know, really hurt a lot of single uh, mothers and families that were trying to work when they when they kept these kids out of schools. So it has a, a big, huge impact. But what we've learned is all they have to do is get a sponsor and then they can be put into schools and like, oh, they're being educated in the detention center for 72 hours. But it's not what happens in the detention center for 72 hours. It's what happens when they get a sponsor, which I think is anybody with a pulse that can take a government check. I'm not sure yet. Uh, and then they can get back into the school system. So it's, do you have any idea? I know you're, you're in this awful situation in the minority in the house and, and, and we're not in a good position of the GOP right now, but at it, state level, I know uh, lots of governors have pushed back on this and refused to accept them. I wonder if we'll see any action in Tennessee to at least try to protect ourselves a little bit. Yeah, and no, I mean, it's a great question. And I know you well enough to know that you're in favor of legal immigration, just like I am. But that's not what we're seeing here. And that's not what we've been seeing. And President Trump basically got elected in large part because he was going to build the wall. And, you know, the numbers drop. People don't come here if they don't think they're going to get in. They don't waste the money on coyotes. They don't, they don't risk the trip. And by the way, these kids are being assaulted, a lot of them sexually assaulted. It's very dangerous, uh, a trek to make. And, uh, you know, 
we need to be proactive on this because it's not, it's not very humanitarian to allow this to happen to children and, and put out false information like the Biden administration has been. And, and you know, Kamala Harris has put in, been put in charge of this 28 days ago. She's yet to, to visit the border. She's yet to hold a press conference on this. And, and uh, you know, that's an important responsibility. So we see how she's performing right now. But you're right, it impacts us locally. We already have a very strained economy. And when you bring people in, it, it costs a fortune. Um, I've heard up to $80,000 a year to support each illegal immigrant that's uh, brought into this country. And as taxpayers, that should alarm everyone because we have our own struggles right now. And, and we've been under the oppression of, of the COVID lockdowns. But yeah, Tennessee, Anyone listening to this that, that's troubled by it, as you all should be, should contact your local representatives, your, your state reps, your state senators. Contact me. I'm well aware of it. We're in the fight. Contact the senators and, and certainly call the governor's office because I'll follow up with Governor Lee. And uh, yeah, it's probably been whenever you let me know about this that I asked him and, and he was supposed to look into it. I've not talked to him again, but we need to because... Clearly, if they're if the government is paying people and flying illegals into this country, uh, you know, you, you go try to get through uh, any security checkpoint without your ID and see what's happens, or you try to go to Mexico and come back without a negative COVID test, you're not coming back. But yet, we're bringing people in the middle of a pandemic into our country and and propagating a problem. Not everyone's been vaccinated yet. This thing isn't over. I'd sure like to see the mask go away and all that, but we need to finish what we started. So um, I would urge everyone to be proactive and ring the phones off the hook, send emails, send letters, whatever you need to do, because this is a, a very urgent problem. So talk about the conversation that you had uh, with United States Air Force General Glenn D. Van Herc about the border crisis and specifically how it relates to keeping us safe, terrorism. I mean, we've already got terrorism. You know, a lot of that is MS-13. A lot of that are, are drug cartels. And when you have drugs come into a country, crime follows it. Uh, so there's that kind of crime. But then there's also the other kind, which is just, you know, I hate to call it now old-fashioned terrorism, but 9-11 was a long time ago. Uh, talk about what he said, what you've learned, and, and how all of this puts our, our country at risk from things of that nature. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I'm on the House Armed Services Committee, and we're going through the different uh, uh, areas of command around the country. We did Indo-Pacific Command, we did Euro Command, and, and we did uh, the the command for North and South America. And so you wouldn't think immigration would be a top issue, but it was. And uh, with, uh, with Van Perk, he was very concerned about what's coming across our border. And, you know, he says, without the border, we don't have national security. And so uh, he's very concerned about this. We already have had uh, two Yemenis terrorists that were on the watch list picked up. And there's more that we can't talk about in an open setting. And, um, you know, he, he, was, he was very concerned. So it's not just people migrating from uh, Guatemala or Latin America across the border. There's people coming from overseas into Venezuela and coming up across our border. And again, the, the more uh, children there at the border, the more it takes our officials there to look after them. And then people are slipping through the cracks. So uh, you know, he, he was pretty emphatic that uh, it, it's a huge problem. And, and I think I asked him if the current laws on the book would help curb that. He agreed that they would. They haven't been enforced the way they should uh, since I ran for office 10 years ago. 
I mean, everyone talks about comprehensive immigration reform, but if we would follow the laws on the book, we wouldn't have the problem that we have. And now with the Biden administration, just basically uh, tearing down the walls and making them into bridges and sidewalks, people are rolling in here at record numbers. And uh, I don't, it seems like it's almost part of the strategy because uh, we're going to have terrorists coming through if we haven't already. We have drugs coming through. Uh, Trump dared to say that there was rapists, murderers, drug dealers coming across our border. And of course, he was villainized by the left for for being uh, racist, and and he's just trying to protect our country. And and the Democrats' response to all this today, we're going to be voting on two bills later. One's called the No Ban Act. You remember President Trump banned uh, terrorists from coming in from unfriendly countries. And then when uh, the Wuhan virus or Chinese virus or whatever they don't want us to call it occurred, he was banning people from coming in from China. Well, the, the liberals didn't like that. So now we're voting on it when President Trump's not in office and it'll restrict Joe Biden from being able to do the same thing in an expeditious manner if there's a national security crisis. So that's a stupid bill. The other one that they're doing today is not to curb the influx of illegals, but to send them counsel. So we have an Access to Counsel Act that they're putting on the floor today. So if somebody gets into the country, they're going to be guaranteed uh, probably a liberal trial lawyer that's going to go down there and imagine what that's going to cost and how that's going to bog the system down. So their, their solutions are really creating a bigger problem. Wow. Let me ask you a question, Scott. Do you drink liquids, hot or cold? Yes, sir. You're going to love this. Guys, if you would, go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com, and if you give us any amount, because we run on grassroots support, we'll send you two proud Tennessee conservative bumper stickers right here. You'd love to put those on your vehicle. Scott, every politician loves this when I show this. I think you're going to love it, too. We're going to be able to reach out directly. We're going to send you a, direct, a directory of your state and local officials or your state officials in the Senate and the House so that when bills are coming by, and if you get $50 or more, you get this beautiful leftist tears tumbler i'm just joking that's what ben shapiro says this is the proud tennessee conservative tumbler and if you put uh joe biden's legislation and ideas in here and if you close it up and shake it out it actually comes out as good conservative policy reform as magical properties it turns uh pennies into nickels it's fantastic tennesseeconservativenews.com slash support back to scott who just sent through this this fantastic com commercial so you see a lot more than the average tennessean what else is going on right now that we need to be aware of? Maybe if it's even off the, the immigration topic and you, you're going to have to leave here shortly. So I don't want to over overstay my welcome. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I, I would just add that uh, I'm so impressed with the job you've done with Tennessee Conservative just to build off uh, your commercial. And I'm not saying this because you asked me to. I'm saying it because we need people like you getting the message out. The, the negative press on President Trump was 92%, and, and I'm not making that up. You can fact check it anywhere. So no president has ever had to work under those conditions ever, probably in the history. And, and the, the media, frankly, you know, is, is a state-run media. And I, I would probably just, and I want people to support your site because you've already grown to what, over 14,000 Mm -hmm. in just a, a brief time. And then it just should just be exponential from there because there's a lot of us out there that, that need a conservative outlet. We can go on Fox News, we can go on Newsmax, you know, and, and it's a little bit of an echo chamber 
but we need to reach you know some of the more moderate people who are not liking what's going on in this country and to the democrats credit they're doing exactly what they said they were going to do you know they said they're going to try to pack the supreme court they're going to try to change the voting laws so republicans can never win again that was their first bill hr1 and uh, you know they they want to end the filibuster so they don't need 60 in the senate to pass laws uh, today or tomorrow we're voting on dc statehood they promised that mm -hmm. if, if dc became a state it's 95 percent democrats you get two more senators and probably another representative the, the founders said that's not the, what dc was supposed to be so i think there'd be real constitutional issues with that but um you know it's it's probably never been more critical when when you talked about me leaving a medical practice 10 years ago because i didn't like what was going on i, I can tell you it's much worse now than it was then and uh, we're basically teetering on being a socialistic country and i never thought i would hear myself say that and be serious but I, i'm guessing we're getting about the 40 percent whatever the bernie sanders aoc followers are and right now that tail is wagging the dog up here that's who's running the show in washington so i mean we need to unite behind uh, uh, outlets like tennessee conservative where there's real investigative journalism going on what we're getting uh today is pure propaganda when i was a kid in the 70s probably before you were born um, you know, we, we made fun of the Soviet Union or Russia for their state-run media and propaganda that their citizens uh, couldn't get the truth and didn't have access to the truth. And if you dare speak out against it, you were punished, your family disappear. And now look at what the country we're living in. We have the media that brought you the Russian collusion for three years and, and was uh, turned out to be a hoax. We had during this past election, the, the Russian bounties on US soldiers in Afghanistan that allowed uh, Biden to call Trump Putin's puppet or puppy or whatever he called him during a debate. That was fake, that wasn't real. It was uh, something that was made up by the media. Um, we've got um, the, uh, the, the Capitol Hill riot that was, uh, granted it was terrible. You know, We needed to examine what happened in these states with voter laws that were changed because of COVID. And we needed to correct that because there was literally people voting in usually large metropolitan areas like around Atlanta or Philadelphia where they didn't check signatures or if they did, it may have been the signature of somebody that filled in a hundred ballots. So the signature might've matched, but they didn't necessarily match a person. And they say this was a blowout. It wasn't a close election. But if you look at Arizona, Georgia and Wisconsin, the difference in those three states was 42,000 votes combined. And we would have had Trump in the White House because that had brought him to 269. We controlled the House. We would have voted, uh, the Republicans controlled the House and, and he would be our president. I promise there's that many ballots in those three states that could have been overturned if they would have been scrutinized. That's what we were trying to do on January 6th. But unfortunately, a few idiots went too far and they gave the Democrats the perfect narrative to attack Republicans. But that story bothers me because you hear the media talk about the bloody insurrection with five yes. people killed. There was one person killed and that was Ashley Babbitt. We now know that uh, uh, brave officer Sicknick, I don't take anything away from him, but the coroner's report mysteriously comes out 14 weeks later that he died of natural causes. He didn't get hit in the head by a fire extinguisher. He didn't die as a reaction due to bear spray. He died of natural causes like the two other people that died of heart attacks and one died of a drug overdose. So the only blood that was spilled was by by a, a woman who got shot that has been swept under the rug. I've not heard anything from her family. It's just crazy. But anyways, the media has propagated this five people killed. One person was killed. And that was uh, 
somebody we don't know will probably never get justice because they've kind of just closed the case. Well, it, it amazed me, and we're getting off track, but it, I, I'm with you. You know, you pull up your, your TV, whatever, right now, everything you stream, and we have one incident which is still under investigation and you open up Netflix and Hulu and there's documentaries. I mean, it's like 72 hours later, documentaries about the Capitol Hill insurrection as if this was like a, like a thousand people. I mean, had, had passed away, some kind of awful thing. The Capitol had been burnt to the ground. And uh, meanwhile, you know, the BLM riots rolled through with billions and billions of dollars in damage. Uh, and it was never reported. It was never covered. There was never a documentary made by mainstream media or the liberal left. And even now, more has happened at the hands of BLM and other radical organizations across the United States since the Capitol insurrection than, than actually happened at the quote-unquote insurrection, which was a protest with some nut jobs in it, and many of which were actually in, Antifa leftists. And and, and we've not even seen any coverage about that. And so uh, it's the same. I'll, I'll give you one quick example. Uh, I, what woke me out of my political slumber with, were these lockdowns because I, I coach small business owners all over the United States. We're out there. And we're just wanting our jobs back, our churches open, and we're wanting our individual freedoms as guaranteed by the Tennessee and the, uh, and the United States Constitution. And we're ridiculed in the media. Meanwhile, one week later, they burn, they, they catch things on fire in Chattanooga, no, nothing big. They, they break windows, they spray paint things, they, they topple things at the courthouse, glowing coverage for weeks, and they get a mural. They get a mural uh, on MLK Boulevard. And that's, that's what we're dealing with, even here in Tennessee. Well, probably a topic for another time, but I, it just leads me into thinking about the, the wokeness that we're supposed to all be following, the cancel culture, and the indoctrination of our children in the schools. I'm I actually, with my next call is with Tennessee principals. Got a few questions for for them and how things are going. I'm not sure Tennessee is bad as other parts of the country, but it, it does matter how our children are taught. We shouldn't be taught that America is a bad country and that we should be ashamed of ourselves. I mean, everybody has issues in their past, as we all know, and uh, it, it, you learn from those things and you make yourselves better. You don't try to hide it or, or cancel it. And uh, so maybe we can do this again. There's so many topics that I'd love to talk with you about. You're a great political mind. People probably don't know that about you. You're very humble saying you had a small part in getting me elected. You had a huge role in getting me elected. I, I, you, you taught me so much and I appreciate uh, what you've been able to give me and teach me. I, I was just a, a doctor and you knew what I needed to do to win. I doubt I'd be here without your help. So uh, appreciate, uh, I'm happy to check your appendix anytime. You keep giving people good advice and doing what you're doing. And I hope people will log in and tell their friends about Tennessee Conservative and, and help support you because this is how we're gonna take our country back and it's gotta start now. Great opportunity in 2022 to win back the house and, uh, and try to hold back this tide that, uh, that is crashing over our country. So uh, my friend, thank you so much for allowing me to be on, on your uh, show. Well, it has been a personal honor and a great time. Uh, put your arms around that beautiful family of yours. Give, give them all hugs and kisses. Tell them the little short dude uh, from down the road, Brandon, said hello. Uh, thank you again, Scott. I appreciate you being here. Well, you do the same with your family. Good to see you. All right, guys. This is Brandon Lewis, the Tennessee Conservative News. If you like this, go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com and subscribe to our uh, e-newsletter by text and uh, by email. And we're so glad to have had Congressman Desjardins here. Stay tuned. Brandon Lewis for the Tennessee Conservative News, signing off.